Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform. And follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a special edition of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you listened earlier this week, we started a new series. It's called sort of a beginner's guide introduction to new sports and teams that we like a lot and are passionate about. We've done one way back, um, an intro to F1, which Jared and I did, um, and we liked that idea, and it was we thought one of our better episodes helped get some new fans involved, <laughs> and so we decided to carry it on with a beginner's guide to soccer, uh, which I did um, again earlier this week with friend of the pod, Brian Quigley. And this week, we're doing a little of beginner's guide to Notre Dame football, one of our favorite sports, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jared. Jared, would you like to say Hello. Hello. Happy to be here. Yes, I'm happy you're here as well as one of our other big Notre Dame fans on the podcast. Um, to get started, we're just going to start out with a little bit of the history of Notre Dame football. I'll be taking this segment. I've been a fan for a long, long time. Um, since I was a kid, I went to my first Notre Dame game in 2003, I think it was. They beat Navy on a walk-off field goal, and ever since then I've been hooked. Jared, do you want to talk a little bit about your fandom before we get into the history of Notre Dame football? Yeah, I would say Notre Dame is not really that big of a brand on the West Coast, at least not as big of it is as it is in like Chicago, like those, and even probably on the East Coast too. Um, so I didn't really know that much about Notre Dame before I became a student there. Um, so I've been a fan, a relatively new fan. So I've been like pretty spoiled, I'd say, because we've been pretty good recently, um, generally. And I don't get as pessimistic, I would say, as Lucas does uh, yet. So we'll see maybe when I'm a 20-year hardened veteran if that changes. But um, Brian Kelly's been the only coach I've known since I've been a Notre Dame fan. So Yes, some of us suffered through the, the Charlie Weiss years and all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if, you know, just to know, Jared and I both went to Notre Dame. We were both class of 2019, and, you know, we're, we're pretty big fans. Um, yeah. So... We're going to get started talking off. I'm going to talk a little bit through the history of Notre Dame football. Jared can add any little bits of extra information or ask some questions if he wants during. And then we're going to flip it. We're going to talk about the sort of modern parts of Notre Dame football. Jared's going to talk about that. I'll follow up, ask some questions as well. And then we're going to combine to make our Notre Dame team of the last decade, just so you can get a sort of intro to the types of players that Notre Dame has that have been great recently and are, um, you know, Maybe playing in the NFL today. You can check them out on Sundays. Uh, but we'll get started with the history of Notre Dame football. So Notre Dame, the university, we're going way back, was founded in 1842 uh, by Father Edward Soren, a member of the Congregation of the Holy Cross. But there was no football played on Notre Dame's campus for 45 years. Notre Dame first played a game in 1887 uh, against Michigan, who had become one of Notre Dame's biggest rivals. They lost 8 to nothing. They didn't win a game until the following year when they beat Harvard, but not the Harvard you've heard of. They beat Harvard Prep School of Chicago. Um, and for the first, or... you know, I think so, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, good, good, good start. You, you got you to gotta start somewhere. You got to have a first one no, somewhere. And Harvard Prep School of Chicago was the one. Uh, Notre Dame first rose of prominence in 1913. So this is, I guess, quick math, 25 years. I think that's correct. After their first game and, and after their first win. Um 
1913 again when they beat a national power army at the time who was the best in college football. Um, and they did it by pioneering the use of the forward pass and throwing passes to players in stride instead of players who were just standing still. This was sort of organized by quarterback Gus DeRay and their end Newt Rockney, who we'll get to again in a little bit. But if you like receiver or quarterbacks throwing to receivers in stride, something you see every football game now, thank Notre Dame for that in 1913. Um, again, speaking of Newt Rockney, he became one of the greatest coaches in Notre Dame history. He was hired in 1918. He won three national titles um, in 1924, 1929, and 1930. The 1924 team uh, was the most famous ever with the so-called four horsemen um, of quarterback Harry Stuhldreher, fullback Elmer Layden, and running backs Jim Crowley and Don Miller. They were named as such by a sports writer named Grantland Rice, who also gave the team their current nickname, the Fighting Irish. After Rockney died in a plane crash in 1931, Notre Dame football fell down a little bit. But it next, its next great era of dominance, and probably its greatest era of dominance, was in the 1940s under coach Frank Leahy, who won four national titles, in 1943, 1946, 1947, and 1949. And he had previously played under Newt Rockney, came back to coach the team in the 40s, resounding success. After Leahy, the program took another dip in the 1950s, uh, but rebounded in the 60s under coach Era Parsegian, who won titles in 66 and 73. Um, the success continued into the 1970s and 80s. Coach Dan Devine won a national title in 1977, and Coach Lou Holtz won a national title in 1988, which is sadly Notre Dame's last last national title oh. victory. The program's last era of dominance, I would say, was in the late 80s and early 90s, and has fallen since. There was a brief period of success between like 02 and 06. Uh, Tyron Willingham in his first year did really well, had Notre Dame up to being ranked number three at one point, lost the game to Boston College, mm-hmm. sort of fell off. Um, or I think that was 2003, actually. My apologies. Later, Charlie Weiss came in, had some good years um and with brady quinn at quarterback you might now know as a commentator on fox sports um but after it sort of fell apart in 07 08 09 um he was fired in favor of brian kelly and apologies my correction it was actually 2002 when tyron willingham had his really successful season um the last decade they've actually seen a bit of a rebound maybe not the era of dominance like they've had previously but under coach brian kelly they, they did turn it around they made the national title game in 2012, where they played against Alabama, they lost, and I will not mention the score out of sheer embarrassment, but okay. they made the college football playoff twice um, in the last few years. They made it in 2018 and 2020. Brian Kelly, though, left before the 2022 season to coach LSU, and the current head coach is Marcus Freeman. Notre Dame has had seven Heisman Trophy winners, quarterback Angelo Bertelli in 1943, quarterback Johnny Lujak in 1947, and Leon, Leon Hart in 1949, Halfback Paul or Johnny Leitner in 1953, quarterback Paul Horning in 1956, quarterback John Hewitt in 1964, and wide receiver Tim Brown in 1987. Notre Dame has some big rivals, guys like USC, Michigan, Miami, Boston College, and Purdue, I'd say, are the biggest ones, um, mm-hmm. and USC being chief among those. Um, and Notre Dame's all-time greatest players who's found success in the NFL include guys like Joe Montana, Alan Page, Justin Tuck, Jerome Bettis, Tim Brown, and Joe Theismann. And there's some current players on NFL rosters, too. Guys like Jalen Smith, Zach Martin, Chase Claypool, Kyle Hamilton, Harrison Smith, Ronnie Stanley, and Drew Tranquil. So that is a very brief, condensed history of Notre Dame football. Jared, if you have nothing else to say, I'll give you a little bit of the floor to talk about sort of the current state of Notre Dame football. 
I do have something to say. Is my um in terms of the rivalries, USC mm-hmm. has generally not been that good since I've been a fan. So it never really felt mm-hmm. like a rivalry, I would say, until this year when they got Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. Now mm-hmm. my a little bit of like friendly dislike of, of USC is, is finally there. For, before that, it was Miami, actually, that I hated the most mm-hmm. because they demolished us back in 2017. Um, mm-hmm. Like Michigan, I we, we beat them, I think, the one time. Oh, no, we, we played them twice since I've been a fan. The time when I was mm-hmm. a student, though, we beat them. So at home, game day was there is a fun mm-hmm. one. So I yeah. feel like USC definitely feels more like a genuine rivalry now, and it didn't used to. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of been weird that, like, it's never been, like, kind of back and forth in the Notre Dame rivalry, at least since I've been a fan since I was a kid. Like, mm-hmm. when I was, like, little, from, like, maybe 02 to 2010, 2011, USC dominated the rivalry, like, won every single year. And it wasn't a rivalry because USC was so good. And then, like, 2012, 2013, it just switched, and Notre Dame won basically every year. So maybe we'll get a little bit more parity in the rivalry recently. But Yeah, that'll be we'll fun. See. We'll get him yes, at home Michigan next year. So. Yes, and it's hopefully hopefully a win. Um, yeah, yeah, and Michigan, too. That game, you and I were both at game day for that. Um, one of my favorite games in college. And started off a pretty good year, which Notre Dame went to the college football playoff in 2018. Yeah, I, I'll go into a little bit of the state of Notre Dame football today, um, which I can speak to because, obviously, I was not super well-versed in Notre Dame's history, not being a fan for that long but i think the the first thing that you think of like the number one thing you're going to be hearing about from notre dame fans is the need to recruit at the highest level and how notre dame's academic stand or vaunted academic standards kind of hold us back which is another thing i feel like by the way that is not super well known on the west coast that notre dame is like supposed supposed to be like a top 20 like university that sort of stuff Tooting our own horns a little bit, obviously, but you know there are there are definitely rankings that put Notre Dame up there. Um, and on the West Coast, you kind of just think of like Stanford and Harvard, and you don't really think about Notre Dame in that upper upper upper, upper echelon. But they are, and yeah, the number one thing you're going to hear about from fans is how we need to recruit better, and our Notre our academic standards are holding us back. And I feel like that's kind of the defining characteristic of how Notre Dame operates in like the modern landscape of college football. Um, and they have to deal with like a real class load and everything where they might not have to at like North Carolina, for example, where they have fake classes. Um, and there's a belief that like ND kind of wants to recruit and win the right way. And another way this is kind of manifesting in a new way is through NIL deals and Notre Dame potentially not being that big of a player in the NIL deal because they want to the win the, the right way or whatever and not throw money around. I know there's more nuance to that um, that I'm not aware of, but I would say that's kind of the defining characteristic of like Notre Dame's trying to keep some sort of like integrity intact while recruiting at the highest level. Um, it's way too much stress to keep up with, by the way. In the future, I was telling Lucas, I'm not I'm going to wait until classes are finalized until uh, I start getting excited about recruiting classes. But we did get a little bit of finalization yesterday with National Signing Day. Um, and the big stress has kind of been like players decommitting from our class this year. Um, we obviously had a five-star safety, Peyton Bowen, decommit. We lost two running backs to Colorado and Oregon. Um, and then earlier in the recruiting process, which I didn't follow as closely, we also lost um, a five-star uh, defensive lineman that ended up signing with Bama. Anyway, despite all that, we have we are still doing really well um, recruiting. We ended up finish with, finishing with a top-ten class. 
And I know that a week ago we were pushing Bama for like second, uh, pushing Bama and Georgia for second, which would have been great. But um, we did still come in with a really good class. And to take you back a little bit, Freeman is building off of our current coach, Marcus Freeman, is building off of the success that Brian Kelly had. Kind of the modern era of Notre Dame, I feel like maybe started with Brian Kelly, I'll say. Um, that was a really stable era. Brian Kelly bought a lot of winning to the program, and it wasn't really in that great of a spot before he got there. Now we're in the the Freeman era is probably a term you're going to hear a lot if you're a new Notre Dame fan, which is just our new coach, Marcus Freeman, taking over. He was our defensive coordinator um, before this for one season, and then he got the um, head coach job because he's a great coordinator and a really good recruiter. Um, this year, we went 8-4, and four, which is okay. Um, highlights are, though, that we destroyed Clemson. We beat a few other ranked ACC teams. But then we had some lowlights, like losing to Ohio State kind of sucked. USC was not a great game. We also had those terrible losses to Stanford and Marshall, which Notre Dame is not supposed to do. We're, we're supposed to think of ourselves at least of a, as a perennial national contender. Um, I would say another defining characteristic of modern Notre Dame football is we usually have really good offensive lines, really good tight ends. We're kind of like a tight end U. Even, you can probably say O-line U too. Um, but we've lacked kind of the top quarterback play, I would say, that national championship teams like Alabama, LSU, and Clemson have had. They've had like Tua. Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, LSU had Joe Burrow, Clemson had Trevor Lawrence. Those kind of guys we have lacked. Um, and that's kind of our next step is we, we've done really good on the running game, good offensive line and great tight ends. We need to start doing better on skill positions, I would say, in general. Um, and I think we fixed that. We're hoping we fix that. We had a really good wide receiver recruiting class, so the future is bright. Um, and I would say pretty much since I've been a fan, We've generally been a good program, and we're trying to get back into the great program, which is where Notre Dame fans feel like we should be because of our history. What do you have to add? I totally agree. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I think it's like it's very hard to break into that top tier, but I am at once very optimistic and very pessimistic about that um, at all times. Um, I think maybe there's also another player in Notre Dame's roster that you're always a big fan of and want to plug. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, Tobias Merriweather, how nice. big a role you think he should be playing on the team? I'll talk about Tobias Merriweather. It's part of the the rebuild of the wide receiver room, which um, a lot of people have said has been a big – it was a big weakness of our team this year, I would say. Um, we've had good wide receivers in the past, but we're starting to bring in more talent that's nationwide. Tobias Merriweather is one of those guys – He's from my hometown out here in Washington State and a really good athlete. I mean, the one time he, his one reception is a touchdown for 40 something yards, I think. Definitely mm-hmm. a deep threat. And I hope he gets incorporated into the offense a little bit more um, going forward for sure. There's a lot yes, of talent. I hope so though. as well. There's a lot of talent out there. Yeah. And I don't know. We'll see maybe how that plays out. Notre Dame's playing in the Gator Bowl this year, December 30th against South Carolina. I think when they're over an SEC school would be. A nice little cherry on top to the season. Yeah. So to kind of recap, by the way, state of the program of Notre Dame. Think about Notre Dame. We're trying to recruit at the highest level. We're in like a top 10 level. We want to be in like a top three level on recruiting. The things we're really good at, though, are run games, offensive lines, tight ends. That's what you should think of. I would say I would say defense we've been really good at since like 2017 as well. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, those are offensive line and tight end. You is what you think of when you think of Notre Dame. Yeah, and we'll get into a little bit more of those sort of category specific things later when we do our sort of Notre Dame team of the last decade. Um, but right now, we're going to go to a quick message from our sponsors, read to you by co-host Wyatt. This episode is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season with same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, player prop options, and more. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Everyone can earn up to 150% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, points totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. We're going to jump back in and we're going to talk a little bit about sort of the Notre Dame team of the last decade. We're going to talk about the 2012 season in which Notre Dame went to the national title game through the 2022 season. Um, they kind of started before 2012, but they have to have played in the 2012 season or later to be a part of this team. This Notre Dame team of the last decade, we're doing this to sort of give you an understanding of, you know, who the best players at Notre Dame have been recently and just have some fun and reflect on our fandom. Me and Jared are going to be alternating position groups, um, and we're going to start, Jared, with you. Uh, you alluded to Notre Dame not having great play at this position earlier, but there have been some guys who have been pretty good. We're going to start at quarterback. Who is Notre Dame's quarterback um, of the last decade? Yeah, let me first let me preface this, by the way, by saying that Notre Dame's all-decade team could definitely win the national championship. So it is a little bit, when I was looking back, this is a little bit proof that we can get the guys. We just need to get them all in one like four-year period, I guess. Um, quarterback, though, Ian Book. Actually a pretty easy put pick if you look back at the other quarterbacks. Most of the other ones, Everett Golson, Tommy Reese, Deshaun Kaiser. Um, we got Malik Zaire in there a little bit. Brandon Wimbush in there a little bit. Obviously, Drew Pine. Most of those other guys, though, were below 60% in completion percentage. Didn't really have a great touchdown to interception ratio either. And Ian Book actually has really good stats. I'll get to that in a second. The thing that you would kind of like about Ian Book is we've all seen Rudy. If you're a Notre Dame fan, at least, you've probably seen Rudy. Even before I was a Notre Dame fan, actually, that was the the thing I knew about Notre Dame was the Rudy story. And it's kind of like the walk-on story or like the the guy that really works hard to earn a spot. I feel like Ian Book embodied that. Pretty long journey, I feel like, to become the starting quarterback and be as good as he was. The first time I remember seeing him, was against Miami in 2017, the game I alluded to earlier in this episode. We were getting destroyed. We just put Ian Book in there. He threw a pick six. And look at him now, winning winning his quarterback in Notre Dame history. He finished just shy of 9,000 passing yards, 63.8 completion percentage, 72 passing touchdowns to 20 picks. Pretty good ratio. Out of that, by the way, I didn't realize this. He had 1,500 rushing yards in his career and 17 rushing touchdowns which is even more than like Everett Golson, for example, who had 14 in his career with Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. None of our quarterbacks can really say they've been had as stable of a tenure looking back as Ian Book has had. Um, obviously, 
a staple of Brian Kelly was like using two quarterbacks throughout the season for some reason. I know sometimes there was a lot of injuries, but Ian Book was pretty stable, I feel like, after he kind of took over the job in 2018. It was like there wasn't really a thought after that of starting another quarterback. And if you look at the stats, it backs it up. He's he's the uh, the quarterback for us. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think when you look at it all, he's definitely the guy that's had the most solidity. Um, you know, I wish he'd had a little bit more success in the NFL, but that's not what we're gauging it off of. And he still has no, some yeah. time uh, to make a name for himself. Um, up next, I'm going to go for the running back. I'm going to go with Josh Adams, who is a running back from 2015 to 2017. A couple guys you can consider here, but I've always loved Josh Adams. He lived in our dorm, uh, Jared and I. Um, he's from right around where I'm from. I ran track against him in high school. Um, but that being said, I like him more for, the, for the, just the sentimental reasons. He's all, unquestionably been Notre Dame's best running back of the last decade. He had the most rushing yards in that time, 3,198. Um, that's fifth all-time for Notre Dame, and he only played three years. He left after his junior year to go in the NFL. We had some early success with the Eagles, but then went to the Jets and has sort of fallen off a little bit since. But his 229 yards in a game against Boston College in 2017 are the fourth most in a game in Notre Dame history. And his stiff arm against Wake Forest in 2015 en route to a 98-yard touchdown I think is forever going to be our iconic. Um, it's I still remember it super clearly, um, being a freshman at Notre Dame and watching him do that. Um, and just sort of pulling it off on a year that I think, I think the 2015 team, and maybe we'll get into this later, maybe we won't, is probably the most talented team Notre Dame's had, but just came yeah, up just really short against team. Clemson that year and just short against Stanford, like very close to being a 12-0 team. And just when you look at the talent on there, I think that might have been Notre Dame's best shot at a national title, you know, just coming up again, just short against Clemson that year and just short against Stanford. I agree. I thought that our 2015 team was quite talented. Yeah. All right, Jared, you're next up. Who's the tight end of the decade for Notre Dame? Um, This one... Actually, and did up did end up becoming an easy one because of what he did this season. I think it's Michael Mayer. I never saw mm. Tyler Eifert play a Notre Dame because I wasn't a fan until 2015. But Mayer beat most of Eifert's records. Um, and without Michael Mayer this year, we would have been like a four or five win team, to be honest. So um, he has a lot of obviously like a lot of the tight end records. If he would have had, if we could like continue with this team and have like Cole Komet and Tyler Eifert on our team. I feel like that'd be great. They were also, like, shout out to those tight ends, too. Um, but Mayer's passed them in all the stats. So I think you have to go Michael Mayer here. Yeah, I totally agree. Just, like, unquestionably based on the stats, I feel like he's been the best. And, again, only a junior right this year and probably – well, he is. He declared for the NFL draft. So huge legacy there. Um, I'm up next with wide receivers. I'm going to pick three. Um, first up, I think, is Will Fuller. Um, he burst onto the scene in 2014, was dominant again, Jared and I's freshman year at Notre Dame. And just there are so many great memories of him, especially his game-winning drive or his game-winning touchdown catch against uh, UVA and mm-hmm. Sean Kaiser's first game as a starter, like with time expiring off the clock, backup quarterback in, just played excellently. Um, he's ninth all-time in career receptions at Notre Dame. He's the seventh most receptions in a single season for his 2014 season as the fourth in all-time receiving yards. Overall, he was so, so good, and he got a, he's got to have a spot on this team. Up next, we're going to have Chase Claypool, um, another guy who lived in Jared and I's dorm. Um, he is eighth all-time in career receptions at Notre Dame. He was really Notre Dame's only great receiver, I think, in you know 2019 um, on that team. Um, overall, maybe... You know, maybe the most talented receiver in the late Brian Kelly era. So I'd say, you know, after Will Fuller left, I'll call that the late Brian Kelly era. I think Claypool's the most talented in that era. And then last is a little bit less notable name, though he did have a decent NFL career playing for the Lions for 
a few years, um, is TJ Jones, who was a wide receiver from 2010 to 2013. He fits oh. the bill. He played in 2012 and 2013. Again, maybe less than will name, but he's second all-time in career receptions for Notre Dame, ninth all-time for reception in a single season for his 2013 year, and seventh all-time in career receiving yards. He was the best receiver on a team that went to the national title game in 2012. Um, he was second in receiving yards on that team, but only to tight end Tyler Eifert. So of the receivers, he was the best. So yeah, I think he's a less notable name, but I think he's pretty deserving of this spot. Nice. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. All right, Jared. You're, yeah, you're up next. You're doing the offensive line. So actually, I feel like it was pretty easy to picking five, but generally easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I also didn't really specify. They're all they. They're positionless in this. Uh, is what I'm going to mm-hmm. say mostly. I'm going to go Zach. First pick, Zach Martin. He's a future Hall of Famer. Um, I believe before the season, this stat was true, that he has, he's had more Pro Bowl selections than holding penalties called against him in the NFL, which is insane. Four-year starter at Notre Dame. Um, easily one of the best uh, to ever come through. At guard, we're also going to go through a guy that's probably on his way to the Hall of Fame, Quentin Nelson. He's considered one of the best in the NFL. Um, consensus All-American in 2017 was starting since 2015. Um, and speaking about Josh Adams, he was like part of that O-line that helped Josh Adams kind of have that Heisman campaign in 2017. Um, next, we're going to go with Ronnie Staley. Um, in the 2014 season, he only allowed one sack. And then in his next season, his senior season, 2015, um, was a consensus All-American again. So I feel like anytime you're a consensus All-American, um, you've got to be part of that All-Decade team. Next, we're going to go with another consensus All-American, Mike McGlinchey, in 2017. Like, wow, how much talent we had on this team in 2017. Um, Mike McGlinchey uh, play, played really well for us, was a captain as well. Um, final pick. Um, this is our list, so I'm not going to pick a center. It's positionless. I'm going to pick Liam Eikenberg. Again, another guy that lived in our dorm while we were there. We helped him move in during his freshman year, so we we have a a, play, a part to play in this. But he was a consensus All American as well, twenty twenty season. Um, freak of nature in the best way possible. He's gonna round out our list. So we're gonna have um, Liam Eikenberg, Mike McGlinchey, Ronnie Stanley, Quentin Nelson, and Zach Martin. Um, which as, as long as one of them knows how to play center, and then we need <laughs> to switch one of them to guard. Um, that's an amazing O line. Yeah, no, we're fine with that O-line. And also, speaking of moving people into their dorms, we did move wide receiver Chase Clearly Pool into his dorm, too. So, you know, again, we, we have a part to play on this list. Um, <laughs> um, I'm next with the next. I feel like this is a hard position group. Yeah, it is, because I feel like, to some extent, it's been, like, a little underwhelming when I looked at, mm. like, the names going back and stuff like that. Um, I did I did two tackles and two ends, so in theory they could play together. Um, I'll start with Jerry Tillery. Um, I think he really plugged up the middle in that later Brian Kelly era. He was there 2015 to 2018. Again, drafted into the NFL, played for the Chargers. Um, after that, the other tackle I picked is Lewis Nix III. Um, he sort of served in that Tillery role on the 2012 title team. He also was drafted into the NFL by the Texans. Um, he did unfortunately pass away last year, uh, but you know during his time there was an absolutely excellent player. Um, for one end, I have Isaiah Foskey. Um, who just declared for the draft, played for Notre Dame 2019 to 2022. He's the all-time sacks leader at Notre Dame. So good on defense this year. Um, just, you know, excellent player. And last up, I have Stephon Tuitt, um, who's the best pass rusher on that 2012 team. He had a great career for the Steelers, and he just retired last year. 
So those are your four defensive linemen that I put together. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start a little bit in the backfield now. We've got cornerbacks. Um, first pick, this one was a harder. Um, I didn't really know, <laughs> I guess, too many of our cornerbacks that were like dominant. Robert Blanton um, has was on a lot of all-decade lists, so I'll give him the nod there, although I didn't really see much of his film. But my, my first pick here is Julian Love. This is the first player I thought of. In 2017, he set a school record with 20 pass breakups and 23 passes defended. Again, another consensus All-American on our team in 2018. Um, just pretty locked down and made some really good plays in those two years, too, like a couple returns for touchdowns and things like that. So I definitely will go Julian Love there and, and Robert Bland. Benjamin Morrison, though, who knows? Well, he's, he only had played one year, so I wasn't going to put him on this list, but uh, he will be on the – maybe he'll be on the one we make in 2024. <laughs> yeah, no, I could see it. He's played really, really well. Yeah. Um, But, okay, I'm up next. I have the linebackers. I'm picking three. Um, we're going to start off with Manti Teo. If you know one Notre Dame football player of the modern era, it's probably him. Um, it might not be for his football. There has recently been a Netflix documentary released. You can go watch it about um, the whole catfishing scandal that he was involved in. Not going to dwell too much on that. Um, but he sort of had a little redemption recently and um, made his first appearance on campus at Notre Dame this past year. Gave the team a little hype speech at the at a pep rally before the before Notre Dame played UC Berkeley this year. Um, but, I mean, his football career was excellent. He was second in the Heisman voting in, in that 2012 season when Notre Dame went to the national title. He was so, so good. First team All-American. Um, and an all-right NFL career. He played for the Chargers and the Saints. Um, up next, I'm going to go with Jalen Smith. He, again, was elite when we were there. I referenced that 2015 team earlier. He was absolutely the stud on that defensive team. Yeah. Uh, a little unfortunate that he got injured in the Fiesta Bowl game that year and that sort of derailed his uh, draft stock. But he's had an all-right NFL career, too. Uh, he played for a while with the Cowboys and is now playing on the Giants. Um, and finally, I picked Jeremiah Owusu-Kormoa, who mm. on this podcast we lovingly called the Woo. Um, he was so good on the on two of the playoff teams, 2018-2020. He was absolutely the best defensive player in 2020 and got drafted to the Browns. So, yeah, your three linebackers, I have Manti Teo, uh, Jalen Smith, and Jeremiah Owusu-Kormoa. Um, I got the safeties here to round out our backfield and, and to round out the defense. Um, when looking, This one had a lot of discrepancy on other all-decade teams, and I think I'm picking two players that pretty much aren't on any of the all-decade teams. <laughs> um, first pick is easy, Kyle Hamilton. He's been an absolute beast um, when he was with us. There was a reason he was a first-round pick. I think back to his interception against Florida State last year where he came across the field um, and to make an interception, and that's like the moment I'll probably remember most of his ND career. And I, I there was a some tweet, I think from Reddit College Football or something that was like, apparently don't throw to Kyle Hamilton isn't even a viable strategy when he's that fast. I don't care about his forty time. Um, consensus All American to his name as well. Second pick, I'm gonna go with Loie Gilman actually. Um, and actually this was an easy pick considering, uh, for PFF he was a first team All American in 2018. He's a transfer from Navy, I believe, and I just remember him being all over the field um, and definitely have fond memories of that 2018 team. I think somebody like uh, Drew Tranquil, I sometimes is classified as a safety or linebacker. I really like him as well, but I think Aloe Gilman gets a, lot of, uh, gets a nod over him. And Harrison Smith, by the way, did not play in the 2012 season, so he couldn't have been included. 
Yep, I think it's a great list and sort of rounds out a wonderful team of the last decade for Notre Dame football. Wait, actually, last, I wanted to add a position, special teams. Oh, uh, please two do. positions. Justin Yoon, um, mm-hmm. freshman the same year that we started, really good. I think he's mm-hmm. Notre Dame's all-time point scorer, too, actually, isn't he? He is a kicker position, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then Tyler Newsom for punter. Yes, I agree. Yes, I forgot to add kicker and punter, but I'm glad you added them because that rounds out a perfect team. So, I support. There we go. And if you support this podcast and you enjoyed listening, please go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts uh, or Spotify, as well as download the episode um, in future episodes. If you subscribe, it should download the episodes for you. That's the best way you can help out the channel is downloads. You can also follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram mostly, at lunchpailguys underscore. You can maybe have a hand in helping us develop topics and just have some engagement and feel like a a part of the family on this podcast we appreciate it and we hope you listen to our regular episodes coming out later uh, next week